Before we begin this week's episode, I have a favor to ask. First, please subscribe to our podcast. There is a new article that will remain on the front page of Corn Nation on how to do that if you are not familiar with podcasting. Second, please give us feedback. I would love to hear your ideas about what you would like to hear about, people I might interview, or things you might be interested in. Thank you. He's already been dead and it's messed with his head. It's John's post-life crisis. Welcome to John's post-life crisis. I am John Johnston, founder and manager of cornnation.com, your Nebraska Cornhuskers site of much fun. This week, this episode, we welcome Nan- Ramsey Nasrallah from the Ohio State Buckeye site, 11 Warriors. How are you doing today, Ramsey? Uh, we're, we're closer to football, so I'm, I'm doing a little bit better than usual. So I, I looked at your site, and it says you are the executive editor and director of business development. Does, does that mean you are in charge? You're the guy? It means I'm one of four guys who uh, has equity in the site and just trying to advance what, uh, you know, what's become a labor of love that also has a whole bunch of uh, full-time employees. So uh, we have a lot of fun with the site. Uh, the site does very well. Uh, I I write once a week, and I help make sure that uh, our writers uh, all come across exactly the way that they want to. So how long have you guys been around? I founded in 2006. I've been writing about Ohio State uh, football since 1997. Uh, before we, we came up with the word blogging, I wasn't quite sure what I was doing. I was just kind of writing, putting my feelings on a screen and <laughs> putting it on the internet, and eventually got called blogging. And so 20, 22 years now of writing about teenage gladiators as a uh, as a source of fun. I don't really golf, so this kind of takes the place of that. Wow, that's, that's quite of an experience. I, I'm going to, before we get into Ohio State football, I do want to ask you this. In Nebraska, we have two major newspapers that cover the Nebraska Cornhuskers, the Lincoln Journal Star and the Omaha World Herald. And that's a, there's a massive amount of media coverage. So when we, I mean, Nebraska is a small state, but still as my site goes, we still, it's like you're fighting a, a big space for, you know, trying to be a bigger fish in a fairly decent-sized pond. I mean, Columbus, Ohio, you guys have the Columbus Dispatch that hasn't gone out of business yet, right? I mean, what's the media like there? Uh, the So Columbus is now the 14th largest city in the country. It just, uh, just passed San Francisco, I think, this year. There's a, a combination of old media, and you mentioned the Dispatch, which is owned by a conglomerate like other brick and mortar newspapers have have been gobbled up uh they have dedicated coverage there are um like sb nation where coordination uh, resides there are systems that uh, have independent dedicated team sites and then there are independent sites like 11 warriors where there's no agency it's the owners run the site and the shareholders are us we, we don't we're not part of a larger system we do have some affiliate sites um that, uh, but on a much smaller scale and the thing that would be in the same universe as SB Nation. In terms of competition, uh, we have dedicated beat writers, photographers. We you know, coverage across revenue sports and non-revenue sports. And I think what's made, made us successful is just having a differentiated voice and not just being the voice of the fan, but being the voice of the insider, being the voice of uh, the reporter. Sometimes we have to report on news that our readers don't want to read about. If you remember a year ago right now, 
Ohio State's fall camp was dominated by a former wide receiver coach and and what uh, his superior knew or didn't know about what was happening in his house. People hated that, uh, but you know, and we hated covering it. But there's <laughs> some things you got to do. You yeah. can't just uh, cover the you know the, the stuff that you like. Sometimes you have to cover the stuff you don't like. So I think people trust what Eleven Warriors uh, delivers to the uh, Ohio State fandom experience. Um, and you know, we just try to do it in a, in a clever, funny, and informative way. It's been a while since Mr. Smith went off on Twitter. Oh, he, I, he's still doing it. Don't worry. Is he? Yeah. Oh, we don't cover I all of his tweets, that. but yeah, it, uh, it, he, he had some transfer portal takes uh, a couple, couple weeks ago. I don't, uh, it's out of my purview. It's not something that I, uh, I try to cover. It just every now and then it sort of bubbles up to what I'm looking at, but I don't get involved in it. Okay. Let's get into this Buckeye team. That is got like a new shine, a new look. Uh, you have a new head coach, Ryan Day, right? Yep. You have a new defensive quarter coordinator, Greg Madison, who came over from Michigan. What do you guys actually expect out of this season? It's pretty interesting, right? Uh, I mean, so it's it's definitely whenever you have a change in uh, the regime, and, and I've been around for a while and, and seen this happen a few times. We haven't had a true season like this one since uh, go back to Trestle's first year 2001 because uh, when he left in 2011 it was an interim situation and it was an assistant coach and it just it felt like nothing felt right that whole that whole season uh, including the the buildup no one really wanted to accept that that was a a true change Uh, a year later Urban Meyer gets hired and he's coming into a postseason ban season. So there's there's excitement, but at the same time, you're like, this is just like a, a scrimmage season. Um, this year, there's there's nothing holding them back. Uh, I feel like they did the succession plan that the way that they wanted to. Uh, there's no lingering uh, issue. Uh, no one was fired, which is the first time in my in my life <laughs> that an Ohio State coach wasn't fired uh, and it left on his own volition. You can you can debate how Trestle left, but he was you know, he resigned, but you know, he, he, he was kind of told to resign. Um, so th- this is an interesting season in, in, in that context, in, the, in that frame. Last, uh, last August, I mentioned, you know, and Urban Meyer was suspended and Ryan Day was, was running uh, fall camp and then he actually coached the first three games. That was Ryan Day coaching Urban Meyer's team. That was Ryan Day running Urban Meyer practices, uh, preparation, um, culture. All, all of that was – he was the substitute teacher, so to speak – uh, this is now Ryan Day's program, and he's already made some changes to the cultural bit. Uh, Urban is very intense; wasn't very, still is very intense. Uh, Ryan Day has created a much softer, um, more uh, like leaning into the whole idea that it's a family. They've been, they've always been very good at the brotherhood and the bonding, but but uh, Ryan Day is there almost as a, like a surrogate dad for a lot of those players, and and he, he doesn't make any real reservations about making sure that that's front and center. Um, it's it's aided in recruiting prior to him taking over with players who may not have been a great fit for the Urban Meyer culture. Uh, I know that they got a couple of uh, players specifically because of, of what Ryan Day did in contrast to what Urban did. And I'm not diminishing anything Urban did because he's a Hall of Fame coach who, if he would have kept going, would have had like Newt Rockney level of, of numbers. It's it's insane what he was able to to do at the age of he's in his early fifties. Um, but this this year uh, is is unlike any other because you've got a, a seamless transition of power. A, a guy that's a bit of a prodigy from a from an offensive strategy standpoint 
And uh, like you mentioned with Greg Madison, there's actually two coaches that came from from Michigan to to Ohio State. And so I mean, there's just a lot of subtext about what that means, especially when you're poaching coaches from a team that you put 62 on. Um, you so like saying that, don't you? I'll never get tired of saying it. It's you know, as, as a Cavs fan, it's it's like my new Warriors blew a three-one lead in the 2016 NBA Finals. Um, yeah, Ohio State scores. Did you guys know that Nebraska fans? Did you know that Ohio State scored 62 points against Michigan, the number one defense in the country? I I was shocked. Yeah, Honestly, you can look it up. It was, it's on the it, internet. I, <laughs> I I I of course, I'm an old crusty man. Okay. <laughs> and I, you know, I watched college football when I was a kid, and that was Bo versus Woody, right? That, I mean, there weren't we didn't have all the TV and we didn't have all the games every. But Ohio State Michigan was on every year. You had it was like Nebraska Oklahoma. It was a game you had to watch if you were going to be a college football fan. Right. So and those games were like 10 10, 14 10, 21 14. They they were like you could predict the score; it'd be very close every year. Yeah three yards and a cloud of dust. That's right. And so, yeah, 62. I was very shocked by that. I was, it was like, uh, I, you know, it was shocking that you guys did that to their defense. Well, they, they played a lot of man defense and Ohio state went five deep on the receiver side. So would you believe that the fourth receiver was always being covered by a special teams gunner? (laughs) (laughs) And Dwayne Haskins is, you know, throwing touchdowns in the NFL now. So that, in hindsight, you're like, ah, this could be a problem. Uh, but as it was happening, I was in disbelief too. Especially since they had just beaten Maryland 52-51 six days earlier. Like, oh, gosh, this is... And then you had well. the Purdue game. Right, which we've deconstructed that uh, a few times. It uh, They've had a couple of those the last couple of years. The one, And it's always on the road against Big West teams, which is a good transition into talking about Ohio State going to Lincoln this year. Um, the, I think a lot of it, uh, at least, you know, everyone's got their own opinion. There, there's a, there's a, there's a, f- a s- expression and it's actually one of Ohio state's, uh, drinking songs. We'll win the game or know the reason why. So uh, diagnosing what happened in West Lafayette last year and the year before that in, in Iowa city, when you don't lose that many games, you dwell on the losses, right? So Ohio state's lost three games in two years. They've finished third in the, in the final poll last year and fifth in the one before that. Uh, how and then you so you have to talk about Purdue and 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 Iowa and Purdue they would just looked crappy most of the game they were committing a ton of penalties I wrote about it this week on Eleven Warriors in those two games they committed I think almost twenty penalties and about two hundred yards and and it wasn't just that you know it wasn't like holding or offsides it was like the the, the Purdue game was even when they roughed a punter and Purdue kept possession. As a result, and they scored a touchdown, and the game was over. They, they, Ohio State just like emotionally fell apart. Uh, at Iowa, the game was even, um, and the Ohio, Ohio State was moving the ball however they wanted to. Uh, and Nick Bosa got ejected for targeting, and it was it wasn't just like you know targeting is controversial because it's no one knows what targeting is, <laughs> but but Bosa jumped up and like headbutted Iowa's quarterback in the face. And, you know, there are Ohio State homers, but like, that's a terrible call. But like, if you know the rule book, like, I think everyone agrees that was targeting when he got ejected. Everything we know about 55-24, that game in Iowa City, that's when it started. So it's I think there's an element of fragility and it's based on discipline. I think I still 
I think I still remember a tweet you made during the Iowa game in which you said, I congratulate something along the lines of, I congratulate Kirk Ferentz for sitting on this game plan for 20 years. <laughs> the the stretch plays and the, and the throws into the flat and just making them run. And, and the, it, it's, it was very clever. Um, also, you probably know this as a Nebraska fan. Iowa goes like 17 deep at tight end. So it like that was that was a tough day to be a a weak side linebacker. Is, okay, here's the question for you. And I, by the way, I did read that article about the penalties, and I thought, wow, they, you guys have committed massive amount of penalties. Is that something you're looking for that to change under Ryan Day? Last in the FBS, and it wasn't close. And in, in, in 2017, they were 120th in the FBS. They added 200 yards of penalties and 19 flags to the same number of games in 2018. And they finished third in the country, and they couldn't run the ball. So if, if you're wondering like how talented Ohio State is and how volatile and undisciplined, that's all you need to know. If they, if they commit an average number of penalties, they're in the playoff, and it, even with some of the optics being so bad for how they – play defensively a, a lot of what they did like with Purdue mistakes made them look worse on the defensive side of the ball especially okay I have to ask this is this a year Jim Harbaugh finally breaks through because you guys might be in a rebuilding or refining time no it's not that was really short right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's because it's- you don't want to say his name no, I I can say Jim Harbaugh all day. I, I mean, I'm I'm an old crusty guy too, so I I remember booing him when he was playing in in Ohio Stadium during that one year where a quarterbacks could stop the game for crowd noise, and he did it like nine times during the game. He'd be under center, the crowd, the crowd was super loud, and he'd be like shrugging, like I can't hear anything, and the refs would stop the game. Uh, and I think the NCAA figured out how stupid of a rule that was based on that. It, it, it was the Jim Harbaugh rule cancellation. Because it's basically you can go into any hostile environment and eliminate the home field advantage by forcing the crowd to shut up so you can pretend you can't hear your, your center. Anyway, I could say Jim Harbaugh all day. Uh, I don't think it's a talent thing. or I mean, there, there's a talent and scheme, but ultimately it's how, it's how those teams approach the rivalry and approach the game. And uh, I think Ohio State has a, a much more pragmatic and healthier view of, of what it means to play in that game than, than Michigan does. And it's not something that Harbaugh created. Uh, and, I mean, he played for Woody Hayes Light. Uh, a lot of what he brings to coaching comes from that experience. Uh, he, he is Jim Harbaugh is technically a descendant of the, the Woody Hayes coaching tree because he, he got the guy that <laughs> carbon copied everything that he learned when he was in Columbus. Uh, but when it comes to the rivalry, I think the runway that was created by Jim Tressel and continued by Urban Meyer uh, has created uh, – a bit of flux and we saw it last year when Michigan came into the final game of the season with all the, uh, all the momentum plans for Indianapolis. I got my hotel room in Indy from, from a Michigan fan who had already planned to go. I mean, which I don't think was too big of a stretch for them to expect to be there. Uh, and they lumped in Ohio state with Wisconsin, per, uh, not Purdue, uh, Wisconsin, Penn state, all the teams that had beaten Michigan in 2017, they put Ohio state on the same sort of slate, like in this revenge tour. And, People think like bulletin board does, material doesn't matter. Uh, Michigan was annihilated because of the revenge tour. And then also because Ryan Day schemed Don Brown's ass off. But like the, the I, I think that that hasn't changed for this year. I don't think that Michigan's going to figure out how they respect a rivalry and how they approach it. They're going to go in angry, hot, 
like upset a lot, lot of energy like they did in 2017 in Ann Arbor. They might jump out to a lead um, and the, they're going to lose again. That's pretty confident. Of, I don't have a lot of anxiety about it. I, I totally trust the the cultural aspect of, and that's something that I, I'm pretty sure that Day will keep intact. And I've heard him talk about it uh, behind closed doors at the Woody. Um, so I, I don't think that that's something that you fix in one season, especially with the same head coach at, at Michigan. They're going to be wildly talented again. Um, they, they lost a bunch of guys, but they have, they've got incredible player development. Um, and it's, it's, it's just a model program. I grew up fearing the evil empire, uh, but the approach to the rivalry game, while it was on even par during Woody and Bo and even dur- during Earl and Bo, and then it fell off with, with Coop, Bo, Coop, Mo, and Coop, Lloyd Carr, uh, it is now uneven. They, the two programs approach that rivalry game in a completely different manner, and, and one is successful and the other one obviously isn't. Well, I was going to ask you if there's any advantage to having coaches come over from Michigan, but I get the idea. Well, you've pretty much said that the the difference is not really in the players or the coaching. It's in a cultural concept. Of, yeah, well, uh, Madison, it, Greg Madison coached for – Urban Meyer at Florida. He's actually responsible for my nightmare in, in Glendale, Arizona, in early 2007. Uh, that was a uh, the whole game ended at uh, in the, on the lines. Uh, Florida's defensive line and Ohio State's uh, very entitled offensive line. So he he has a little bit of insight into what uh, what he's stepping into. Al Washington's from Columbus, and I think a lifelong Ohio State fan. His dad played for Earl Bruce. Um, he, he knows a little bit, but these aren't just like random hired guns showing up. There's, there's a bit of, uh, familiarity with, with what they're getting into, um, from a, from a technique, from a philosophy standpoint, um, Madison's coming in and Greg Shiano's leaving. And I think Greg Shiano's a, a great coach. I think he had a bad year. Uh, I think that he was urban support system and, and, and like informal life coach, even though urban has a formal life coach. Uh, but from a scheme standpoint, um, bringing in Al Washington and Greg Madison is an upgrade over Greg Schiano and um, Billy Davis, who was the best man in Urban Meyer's wedding. You've got uh, you've got a lot. Uh, I think as someone who leads a couple of organizations, like this makes a lot more sense. I think they're stronger now. So you got a new quarterback in Justin Fields. How did that? He, Dwayne Haskins was a sit in the pocket guy. And yep. Fields is not a sit-in-a-pocket guy. How's that changed this season? Um, well, towards the end of the year, you could tell that um, Dwayne was being told, hey, you know, you don't like to run. And, and maybe it's because you genuinely don't like to run. Maybe it's because of self-preservation. Uh, but toward the end of the year, he was keeping the ball more and running. And he's a big dude, and he's got a long gait. So all someone like that has to do is take you know, three steps and he's got six yards. And so he was picking up yards against, uh, against Maryland, against Michigan, uh, against Northwestern, and also in the Rose Bowl. Um, I think if you go back to the Nebraska-Ohio State game last year, there's a couple of gifs you can find online <laughs> where, where Dwayne like, has like, nothing but green to run. I mean, Nebraska's defense was, we don't have to talk about, you, you were there, you know how, how it was last year. But he's sliding with like no one within 10 yards of him. Uh, and, and I think that was the turning point. Uh, Justin Fields is like uh, he's like Diet Coke Braxton Miller because no one's Braxton Miller. I think he's got the arm, and he's definitely got uh, some getaway sticks. I just uh, we we've had Dwayne Haskins and JT Barrett, who is more of a not shifty but a great runner. 
uh, we're pining for Braxton Miller and people need to know that there's no such thing as another Braxton Miller. So Justin Fields will be the next best thing. Um, Someone who can command the pocket, but then also, you know, convert third and nines the way that Terrell Pryor did. You guys got, you don't have a lot of returning players because you lost so many to the NFL draft, correct? Uh, Not a lot of returning offensive linemen. Um, And then a couple of receivers went to the NFL, but uh, I mean, Running back last year was J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber. Dobbins is back. It was kind of a split thing. Um, a lot of the receivers are, are going to be familiar. Um, they, man, they're going to be loaded again. These guys all got to play last year. There's only a few guys that are going to be uh, getting on the field that didn't see any time last year. It's it's uh, There's shadow starters and returning starters, and Ohio State has a bunch of the, the former. Is there a Bosa? <laughs> they, have a, they have a new uh, – uh, number 97 on the offensive line who is like a, a six foot four white edge rusher so it's going to confuse people but it's it'll say potter instead of bosa on the back the defensive line is going to be you know a real pain in the ass for for offensive lines again yeah and chase young is back too so it's going to be some a lot of the same guys low-key uh, the best uh the best defensive lineman i think they have well not the best the most underrated underappreciated defensive lineman they have is a uh, bb landers uh he's a very like, undersized uh three technique like right in the middle of the defensive line he he ruins a lot of stuff that that teams want to do if ohio state gets better linebacker play this year that's going to be a much different story because he was very disruptive up front last year so how do you see this uh turning out i mean this season are you just so- waiting <laughs> Uh, the schedule is, you know, the early schedule is not going to tell us anything because I think uh, I mean, the Cincinnati game is going to be uh, challenging for a lot of reasons, um, familial reasons with with Luke Fickle coaching it. But there isn't a, a there isn't a marquee non conference game in the traditional sense. I'm not diminishing what what Luke has done at Cincinnati. There's no, I don't know, TCU kind of lost some luster. We had the home and homes with Oklahoma. They've done it with Texas. Uh, they were supposed to have right around now Tennessee and Georgia, but both programs or both athletic departments decided to walk those back for some bad non-fan related reason. I think that the, the big 10 schedule does not set up nicely for Ohio state at all. Um, and we were accustomed to the landmines that the last couple of uh, teams have had where they lost to significantly under, under talented uh, opposition. Uh, and that is going to happen again this year with, Ohio State being the favorite team in just about every game. But they end with Penn State, uh, Michigan, which is not ideal. Um, they they go to Northwestern on a Friday night, which just has spiders written all over it. Um, you know, Pat, Pat Fitzgerald's going to let the grass grow at Ryan Field for like two weeks to try to even out the, the speed. Um, and then there's going to Lincoln, which, you know, we there's some big West road trip trauma. Uh, I saw that Nebraska has black jerseys this year. There was a, a special uniform. I'm sure those will come out. I'm sure that'll end up being a night game. Um, all of the bad juju is going to be there. So, you know, there's a thing that you know, Ohio State fans think they, they can go undefeated every year. And over the last couple of decades, a lot of times, that, you know, on paper, yeah, totally. That, that's It's all set up for them. Um, this year, I think it's going to be what comes down to if they can reduce mistakes and not commit 116 damn penalties in a season uh, and some, some like just crucial, like brutal penalties um, and, and, and stay emotionally intact, especially uh, in when they're wearing the white jerseys and they're somewhere where the crowd hates them more, more so than usual. Yeah. I think that they can, they can get through it. 
not unscathed, but just mildly scathed. Um, you can't lose 55-24. You can't lose 49-20. If if they lose a close game, I don't think that hurts them as much. But it's been so long since Ohio State lost a close game, I can't even remember what it would be. I mean, Iowa, Clemson, Purdue. Uh, the Oklahoma game, I think, was 31-16 after they had really beaten the crap out of Oklahoma and Norman. Uh, uh, when's the last time Ohio State lost a close game? <laughs> they either I, lose big or they win. Uh, I had a question in there and it went away. That's all right. Uh, you'll, you'll figure it out. Division alignment, when you look at that, what do you think about it? Well, it's obviously out of whack. I mean, the Big West has never won a, a Big Ten championship game, and it's, I think, only been competitive like barely once. That that uh, that Iowa-Penn State game was awesome. Other than that, um, I mean, hell, when, when, when Wisconsin uh, gets there, it's they get exposed. Um and it's, the neutral site thing does not help. I think the Big West has awesome environments, and it's also longer road trips, and they tend to do better when they're hosting. But uh, when they when everyone goes to Indy, it just you know not anticlimactic. I've been a few times. My team has won the last two. It's been there a bunch of times, so that's good. But um, I don't think the alignment is uh, is weighted properly. I also don't think you should change it. I think that uh, time ends up evening this stuff out. There's, mo- there's the way that momentum works. Uh, someone will be up, then someone else will be down. Well, because of the, I mean, let's face it, the Big Ten's been around for years. You added three teams lately, if you consider Nebraska lately, and the big scheme of thing it is, I, you really can't move, you can't move anything out of the East. I mean, you can't move Michigan, Michigan State apart. You certainly can't move Michigan, Ohio State apart. Unless you're just going to still have them play every year, then why have a division alignment? Right. They tried to do that um, with leaders and legends because they wanted Ohio State and Michigan to meet in the, in the, <laughs> in the final, uh, in the championship game. And that was like when Nebraska joined in 2011. So <laughs> they, they figured that out. And by the way, the ACC is doing that too. They thought they could get Florida State and Miami to meet in every, in every ACC championship game. That doesn't really work. It, no. it hasn't worked out. Um, I don't know. You know, I haven't spent, I, I haven't written about this in like six years because I just, like it was, it was very hot to write about in maybe 2012, 13. I just stopped caring. Uh, they split Indiana and Purdue, which that that doesn't matter in football. And I I, I spent time in undergrad at, at IU in addition to Ohio State. Like they don't care. I mean, the the bucket's a fun game. It's on during the Ohio State Michigan game, so like only one state watches it. But uh, that that's one you can split. Basketball would be a different story. Um, I don't know what you could do. I mean, all you need to know about the weights of the, the two divisions is that <laughs> the, the Big Ten added Maryland and Rutgers and put them in the East, and the East is still better. Oh, that's a good point. Ouch. We're coming back. We got the guy. <laughs> you, you do. This is all true. I, I like I like just about everything the West is doing. And, uh, I mean, I even like Levy Smith. I just don't know if the Illinois Athletic Department is up to doing things on a grown-up level when it comes to football. They appear to not really care. It's it's an odd part of the country, man. I don't know. I mean, you were, you were talking earlier about how Nebraska is a, I think it's a geographically large state, but not a lot of people, two media companies. Central Illinois, that's not south of Chicago, man. That's like almost four hours away. It's not, you know, they, they are their own culture. It's like three hours from Indy, three hours from St. Louis. It's a horrible drive from Chicago. It's near nothing. So they don't have any, there's no real advantage there. And, and it's not its own state culture like Nebraska is. 
Not even well, they do a little bit in basketball, but I don't know, you yeah. could move Penn State over to the west and that would be kinda I don't know. It wouldn't really you know what they mean the geographically it wouldn't make sense, but it would be kind of a balanced thing. Penn State, Ohio State has a little bit of a rivalry there, don't they? They do. Um, but that screws Penn State because it's kind of like West Virginia being in the Big 12. Like they're always on long haul flights um, going to, to play anybody. Whereas Penn State in the East, it's a road trip to Rutgers, Maryland, Ohio State. Even, I mean, the problem with Penn State is that it's it's in the Alabama part of Pennsylvania. So it's you know, right between Philly and Pittsburgh. It's its own thing. It's got a stronger East Coast influence, though. It's not like Illinois, which just is its own self-contained uh, deliverance uh, <laughs> spot on the map. Penn State's hell to get to, isn't it? It's tough. Yeah. 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 Center, Center County is the sticks, man. Wow. Are you, are you going to the game in Lincoln? I don't. Uh, I used to plan things like a year in advance. Now it's like Tuesday of the week. I'm like, you know what? I'll get a plane ticket and go. We have beat guys that go cover, so I I I prefer to not be in press boxes. I like to be with fans and be a fan for those three hours before I have to come up with content on what I just saw or what I'm about to see. So uh, I haven't done it for a while. I have a good friend who played for the uh, Omaha Nighthawks. It's been a while since uh, I've been out there. It was actually Maurice Claret played for the Nighthawks when he was still playing football. Um, yeah, you know, I, I'd like to. I, I haven't had Runza in years, so it's I'm due for a trip. Well, I plan on I plan on going to that game and hopefully shooting. I <laughs> I I can find plenty of guys that will write for me, but I can't find a lot of photographers. And uh, I I enjoy being on the sideline. Enjoy having a camera. I I too I don't like being in the press box as much because. Then I have to actually socialize with other people sometimes, and yeah, I'm, not, a, I'm not the best at that. There's also reporter etiquette, and I'm not a I'm not a reporter. I'm not a I'm, I mean I I have journalism experience, but I'm not a journalist. I like yelling. I like when, when Joe Bowserman throws ten balls into the stands at Memorial Stadium. I want to say something. I don't want to I don't want to be quiet. And they did, you know, they do that announcement at Memorial Stadium before the game begins that this is a professional or working press box and there'll right. be no yeah it's like <laughs> that is a good point you're like well, who does this what kind right. of automatons are you people I thought you know I work in IT for a normal job uh, you know I guess journalists maybe they train them I, I never took any journalism classes the press maybe. press row press sections are supposed to be there working and if you make any noise, you're you're not working. You're cheering. You're you're a fan, and it's a bad look. So I totally get it. They could, by the way, they could stand to make that that announcement at Penn State games <laughs> um, in, in their press box, but they don't, and it shows. Um, I, I appreciate what what uh, most press uh, boxes and, and press row sections are like. You you should be there covering the game as an objective journalist, even if you live and die with how the outcome goes. Some of us are just incapable of doing that. That's why I stay away from them, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, I, Big Ten culture. I have to ask this question: uh, Why don't why why at SEC games when they're playing other conferences do you hear the SEC chant? And Big Team Ten teams, they're not ever going to root for other. You're you didn't root for Michigan in the College World Series this year, did you? Absolutely not. Right. We we. It's a thing, I think, for Nebraska to still 
you know, we've been around for a while, but I think we're still trying to figure out what is the Big Ten culture all about. Why don't you? Why don't Big Ten teams cheer for each other? Um, this is going to come across as condescending and arrogant, and I'm just going to root it in history. Uh, the the Big Ten, and I mean, I'll, we'll start with the original from the Western Conference to the Big Ten. Those are all individually successful, largely land grant institutions that are self made uh, through through state funding, through continuous improvement. Um, so they, they, every Big Ten school has its own unique personality. This all also happened uh, largely well, both pre Civil War and then like with Ohio State, eighteen seventy. It's the eighteen hundreds, so. The culture of the Midwest coming up through what became the Union and then post-Union and post-Bellum, uh, they they didn't have to they didn't aggregate against uh, an oppressor. The, the schools of the SEC uh, aggregate their pride, they aggregate their 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 allegiance regionally, and it's rooted in what happened uh, leading up to 1861 and ultimately what happened after 1865. This is still post-Civil War alignment. That's why you hear SEC chants, and there's no such thing as a Big Ten chant. Not just because it would be kind of a clumsy thing to chant, but that's where that's rooted, um, and I'm convinced of it. There's a reason that Kentucky basketball fans are Alabama football fans. They just want to win something. We don't see you, you don't see Indiana football fans. The only thing that and this is an odd outlier. Indiana, some Indiana fans will become Notre Dame fans, but they're in the same damn state. I get it. Everyone from Indiana likes Notre Dame at some point. It's it's part of what they do, but um that that whole just rooting for the big 10 thing that's it's rooted in history and the other part of it is that espn has been very clever about aggregating viewing audiences and getting people with no reason to watch to watch uh, why, why would an auburn fan be rooting for lsu it's they're just it's media trying to get more eyeballs too so it's equal parts audience aggregation and equal parts uh, american history right you know i always thought that was the case but i you know, you want to clarify your opinions or your uh, perspective on something with somebody else. I would hope most people would do that. You know, kind of like, I don't know, scientists getting together and testing yeah. the same experiments and validating their data and stuff like that. Yeah. And and I mean, I, I try to go to an SEC game once a year uh, just because you, you want to have that diversity of experience. I love going to Columbus, but like you like to see how everyone else lives. I went to the uh, LSU Ole Miss game not too long ago and spent a weekend in Oxford. Man, there's no bad experience down there, especially when you're going with no anxiety and you're just going to have fun and, and you're not living and dying with the, the outcome. Uh, it's, it's great. So I'm not, I'm not talking down or, or, or diminishing the SEC chant. I think it's silly and stupid, but I get where it comes from. And you can't, you, there are two things you can't choose in life. You can't choose your parents and you can't choose where you're from. If, if I, if I didn't grow up in Columbus, I'd, you know, I would have grown up somewhere else and I, I, wouldn't root for Ohio State probably. Uh, when when you're from a place and you come up through a culture, that that's all you know. So I get it. I appreciate it, and I also you know I'm kind of wired to diagnose it, and I think that's where it comes from: media and history. Okay, we're uh, you know I don't like to do really long podcasts, but uh, so we're kind of we're close. We're coming to the closing. I uh, I do have to ask this question, okay? Because it's the news of the week. Uh, what is all this stuff about you guys trying to license or trademark the word the or the? Uh, it's it started with Ohio University and Ohio State, so it was an intra-state funded institution squabble. 
and and the short version is that Ohio State's trademarking office uh, has they are a little the, the whole world sees what they're like now. Um, they have come after my website. There's a reason that we don't use scarlet or gray in our color scheme. It's because Ohio State trademark uh, lawyers like to think that they own the colors red and gray. Um, so they, they think that there are people that would be confused that 11 Warriors is a, is a wholly owned subsidiary of Ohio State, which it's not. So um, I think it's part of, I think on its face, it's, it's absurd. I get why they're doing it. Uh, I, th- I think it's tone deaf. Um, there is a legal justification for why they would want to do it. The, in, or the, however you want to say it, in the context that they're trying to trademark it. Uh, not that long ago, it made a lot less noise. They tried to trademark OSU, and this may shock you, but Oklahoma State didn't like that at all. Yeah. And they ended up uh, reconciling because like, no one's going to confuse Brutus with a, a pack and cowboy. Right, so they're like, okay, this is clearly they, they figured it out. The is a little bit different because it's the most common word in the in our language. So uh, I, I think it's stupid, but at the same time, it's making all the best people upset. So as a as someone who appreciates trolling, I kind of like it. I kind of like that they're doing it. I and the Corn Nation, the name of the website came because at the time that I started, which is about two thousand six, two thousand seven. Uh, we had an athletic director that was a megalomaniac, and I figured that he would get around to suing everybody that had Husker or Nebraska or anything related to Husker football mm-hmm. in their website name. So I did. I, that's why I went with Corn Nation, which is about a, it's a really stupid name. It <laughs> really is. Nation. You can put Nation on the end of anything. Well, um, that's true, but I mean, when you look at Corn Nation, I mean, you search for Husker football. It took like 18 years for us to like get any search. You know, let's look for a Nebraska site. Oh, that would be Corn something. No, right. I got all sorts of stuff from Corn people. Like, why isn't this website about Corn? You know, it was the first. It was really dumb, but that's the reason why the name uh, is what it is. I said this on our other podcast, and I wanted to give your marketing or your your licensing department or whoever they are a lot of credit because when I saw that they were trying to trademark the word the, I said that is a brilliant marketing campaign. It, because I have a shirt that says just the on it, and it was some apparel brand that did it, and and Ohio State couldn't touch it because they don't own the. But if you're wearing a shirt that's red and has like block print that just says the on a game day in, in Columbus, people know exactly what it means. Right. But and and the thing about it is it came out, somebody wrote an article on it, and then it exploded it exploded all over the place. I mean, they got free advertising yeah. for zero dollars. And people get wound up. I mean, I still think it's stupid, but like Penn State is the Pennsylvania State University. There's Ohio State's not the only the school. There's there are plenty. I don't think we've ever said that about ourselves, but I, th- I mean, in a way, I think we in Nebraska. There's University of Nebraska Lincoln, University of Nebraska Omaha, and then there's this University of Nebraska Kearney, which used to be Kearney State College, but they they upgraded it apparently because when I was went to school, Kearney State is where you went if you were going to be like drunk all the time. Versus Not just Lincoln. drunk, yeah. Versus like three days drunk in Lincoln, right? You know, I mean, you went to Carney State because you were, 
really not going to do like engineering or anything like that. So this is what Nebraska should do. You take University of Nebraska Kearney and trademark UNC and see what Chapel Hill does about it. <laughs> there you go. All right. Any, anything else? Anything else you want to say? No, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad that Nebraska found the right guy. Uh, Nebraska is a lot more more fun to watch now. The This wasn't a hindsight thing. I think Nebraska hired Mike Riley right around the time Ohio State was beating Wisconsin 59 nothing in the Big Ten Championship. So it was like a side. By the way, did you know that Ohio State scored 59 points on Nebraska – or not Nebraska, and Wisconsin in Indy and shut them out? You can you can Google that too. But you were, you were hiring a, a bad retread coach and not hindsight – Nebraska was lost in the wilderness for three years with that. And I get that Bo Pelini, who I got to watch play in college, uh, needed to go. But, man, you got to find a better rebound than Mike Riley, and I think he finally did. Yeah, when he was hired, we we all did this article on, you know, what we thought of the hire. And I, I specifically wrote, we shouldn't get too crazy about this. If he's successful, then he's successful. If he isn't, he'll be fired in three years, and we won't have to give him a big payout. And so you hired, you hired a five and seven coach. Yeah, yeah, we did. Like that's not that's not okay. I mean, when you hire somebody or you, when you get a new coach, you're always hopeful. Right, but at least he was like sixty three. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna we're gonna say wrap it up, and uh, I I thank Ramsey for being here. It's nice. It's been nice talking to you. I think this went pretty well. Likewise, man. Uh, have fun I- this season. Yeah, I, I'm going to wish you good luck with your season, but not that much good luck. But, uh, okay, this has been John's Post-Life Crisis. I thank you for listening, and I hope you all have a good week. Goodbye. <laughs>